You're listening to Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. And bring a friend and it will be great. Uh, but today we are in the book of Acts and we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. Um, and they tell the same story. So rather than read 40 some odd verses of Acts chapter 10, I will read 18 verses of Acts chapter 11, which is the condensed most important sections of Acts chapter 10. Um, and then uh, we will dive into what that might mean for us. So as you are finding Acts chapter 10 and 11, uh, I will go ahead and pray for the, the word and our hearts this morning, and then we will read. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the folks that have come to worship you, and thank you for the folks that are downstairs studying. And thank you for this opportunity to expand to two services so that all these empty seats might be filled for your glory. Uh, we pray this morning that as we submit to your word, that hearts and minds and souls and bodies would be given to you in service completely. Now we pray that we'd be changed because of your word. Now we wouldn't leave here the same as when we entered. We ask this for your glory and for our good. We pray this in your name. And all God's children said? Amen. Amen. So if you have Acts chapter 11 open, would you stand for the reading of the word? If you don't have a Bible, obviously they're tucked under the seats. Um, and you can grab a Bible. Or if you have a digital Bible, that is completely acceptable as well. Um, we are going to read Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18 this morning. Like I said, it is the exact same story as Acts chapter 10. It's just told in 18 verses. Paul, or Peter reports to the church. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And so when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, the Jewish people, criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised people, and you ate with them. But Peter began to explain to them everything that happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. And looking closely, I observed there were animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Oh, by no means, Lord, for nothing uncommon or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And then it was all drawn up into heaven again. And behold, at the very moment that happened, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them and make no distinction about them. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and your whole household. And I began to speak to them, and the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles, God has also granted repentance that leads to life. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You know, we, we've learned that... Um, Luke, in writing Acts, he, um, he gives us the snapshots of the early church, the most important, significant moments that mean something for the rest of the history of the church. And usually they're little, little itty-bitty snapshots. But in this moment, he uses a whole entire chapter of 10 to tell the story in great detail. And then he repeats it again in chapter 11, as if to really drive home the point. And the point is, 
Gentiles get to have saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's not limited to the Jewish people. Um, and so he tells this story literally like three times, I think. Um, and so it's super important, and we have to pay attention to it, because if we don't pay attention to it, we're missing the huge crux of Acts and what he's trying to tell us here. So I want to go over a few things uh, first and foremost. Uh, first off, um, in Acts chapter 11, we don't get to know the name of the guy. The name of the guy who gets saved, the name of the guy who saw the angel, the name of the guy who was um, a Gentile who got saved, his name was Cornelius. Right? I like that name, Cornelius. Um, he was a Roman centurion, meaning he was over 100 people. He was in a cohort, so he had five or six other centurions that he led with, and there was a group of roughly 600 to 1,000 uh, Roman, Roman soldiers. But because he was a centurion, he was well-paid. He was much richer than the rest of the Roman soldiers. So he was a wealthy man, affluent. He had a lot of influence. He had a lot of servants. Um, and he was well-to-do in the society that he lived in. Um, but he was also uh, a man of faith. He also um, was striving to seek something bigger than he was. He knew that life was more than just Roman duties. He knew that life was just more than soldiering. He knew that there was something bigger, but he wasn't quite sure what it was. And he uh, followed the laws of Jewish customs, but he could not be part of the Jewish church. He was what we would call a seeker, perhaps, a, a God-fearer. And one day while he was at his home, he was praying, right, because he was seeking. He didn't know who he was praying to. He didn't know what he was praying to, but he was praying and an angel showed up at his house. And that'd be kind of intimidating, frankly, because angels in the Bible are not cherub-faced, chubby little babies, you know, with Cupid arrows, right? <laughs> angels in the Old Testament are massive, fearsome, muscular, I'm extrapolating, winged <laughs> creatures, right? And scripture tells us that when people see them, they fall on their face and they are afraid, right? Um... So he, he sees this angel, and he's a Roman centurion, so he understands. And maybe um, he wasn't as intimidated because maybe he was, you know, um, big and bulky himself. And the angel says, hey, I want you to send some people to a house 31 miles away, to the house of Simon. And at the house of Simon is a guy named Simon, but not the guy who owns the house. There's two Simons. So make sure you get the Simon that's named Peter, and I, I want you to bring him to your house He's going to tell you something very important. So Cornelius, being a man of seeking faith, says, okay, I'm going to send one of my servants and one of my soul. I'm going to send them to this Simon's house, and I'm going to ask for Simon, not the Simon who owns the house, but Simon, the guy named Peter, and I'm going to ask him to come with me. Now, at the same time that these men were arriving at the house, Peter was up on the roof praying. And he was praying and praying and praying because he was a man of faith. And uh, while he was praying, he saw this sheet lowered down in a vision, and it was filled with all kinds of animals. I don't know what this would look like. I kind of picture like a Noah's Ark kind of thing, uh, just like one of every kind of animal, clean and unclean. And God said, kill and eat. And Peter's like, I can't. Those are ceremonial and unclean animals. I can't eat that pig. I can't eat that lizard. I can't eat that bird. I will not defile myself, Lord, because those things are unclean. And God said, listen. What I am calling clean, what I am permitting you to eat, you don't get to call unclean. Don't contradict me. Eat the food. That happened three times because, you know, Peter. It takes three times every time. 
Um, right? And so when the sheet finally goes up and away and he's out of his prayer time, knock, knock, knock on the door. Here are these guys coming from Cornelius. And they said, hey, we've come to Simon's house to find Simon, but not the guy who owns the house, Simon, but the guy that's called Peter Simon. And uh, God said to our master that he needs to come with us 31 miles down the road. And so Peter comes down and he says, listen, I'm the dude you're looking for. I just had a vision from God and God told me that y'all are cool and I need to come with you. And, and the reality is that Gentiles and Jews didn't hang out. In fact, if you were a Jew and you ate with a Gentile or you hung out with a Gentile, you were considered unclean. So it just so happens that God was working something on both sides here, the Gentile and the Jewish faith. And he was saying, listen, I'm going to bring you all together for the glory of God and the good of mankind. So Peter got permission from God to say, hey, you know, the animals are acceptable, clean before the Lord. So why don't I go with the Gentile people because they are also acceptable before the Lord. So he says, I don't have any problem going with you. I'm going to go with you 31 miles down the road to your house. And when he gets there, I love this story. Cornelius meets him and he says, hey, uh, the Lord sent an angel to me to go get you. And they repeat the story over again. Like they have to emphasize it over and over and over again. The Lord sent me to get you. And now you are here. What would you say to us? Because Cornelius was expecting a message because that's what the angel said. This man that you bring here will give you a message. And I love Peter. Peter says, well, I listened to the angel. Um, what, do you, what do you want from me? Like there's this, there's this moment where they're staring at one another. And I read it and it sounds so awkward because Peter's here. And he's like, well, I came 31 miles down the road. What am I doing here? And then there's Cornelius. Angel told me to get you. Now you're here, what are you going to say to me? Awkward. <laughs> That's kind of how I read it in scripture a little bit. But then, but then God gives Peter some words to say, and they're words of life, and they're the gospel. And he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to the centurion and his whole household and some of his servants and some of his soldiers. And they receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, it tells us in Acts chapter 10 that the Holy Spirit fell on them in such a way that it looked just like when it fell on the apostles at Pentecost. And there was no denying that God said, these Gentile people that ceremonial law said were unclean, they're not unclean. They are filled with my Holy Spirit and I love them and I'm gonna use them and they are part of the church, the new thing that I am doing because of Jesus Christ. And this is really exciting. And so they were baptized and their house came to faith and they started a church right there, 31 miles down the road from Simon's house where Simon Peter was staying. So that's the story in Acts chapter 10. Here's the things that we need to pull out of this story, okay? And just, just, just a few things. Um, if you're following along in Acts chapter 10, verses one through four, read this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, right? A centurion known from the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God and all of his household. And he gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come to him and say, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, all people are seeking something, right? It's not just Christians that are seeking to know God more, but everyone on the face of the planet is seeking something, is seeking 
to belong to something bigger, is seeking to know whatever that thing is that they are hoping for. And lots of people try and fill it in lots of different ways. Some people seek advancement in their job and they find their fulfillment there. And some people seek um, family and that's the way they find it, or relationships and they jump from person to person to person. There's a myriad of ways that people try and fill that thing for which they are seeking, that hunger for which they have. Everybody is seeking something. Now, um, have you guys ever tried to find something in the dark before, um, right? And the light's not on, your hand's out here, and you're trying not to, right? I have, I have walked down these steps in the dark before. I did it last night. Uh, actually, it was this morning. Um, super dark. And I came down these steps, and I thought, if I turn the light on here, then I, it's just, it's a, the way the light switches work in that hallway are weird. So anyway, I didn't turn the light on, because I didn't, there was, it, never mind. Um, I was walking in the dark, okay? <laughs> Um, and, and there's a couple little steps right here in the hallway. Um, and I was doing this in the dark. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you're feeling for it. And I was feeling for the wall in case I fell. And I was groping about in the dark trying to find the thing that would sustain me for that short period of time. And I think that's how a lot of us live. We, um, before we come to Christ, we are feeling for something that we can grab onto. Something that is going to sustain us. And we don't know what it is. We don't know what we're looking for. We just need someone to flip the light on for us so we could go, oh, okay, I see what I'm looking for. Now, this is what happened. Cornelius was seeking. He was seeking something, and we've learned that all people are seeking. He wasn't a man of um, Christian faith. He didn't know who Jesus was. He wasn't even able to be a part of the Jewish church because he was unclean. He was a Gentile. But he was seeking something, and God honored that. He didn't know that he was seeking Jesus. He didn't know that he was seeking Yahweh. He just knew that he was seeking something, and he'd heard of the Jewish God, and he thought it sounded okay. And he had an amount of faith, but he didn't know what he had faith in. And he was praying to this thing, this deity, this God, this whatever, and God heard him. I love this. I love this because when people are seeking, truly seeking... God responds. And here's the thing. In verses 15 through 16, it says this. Where's 15? Here's God speaking to Peter. And a voice came to Peter a second time and said, What God has made clean, do not call common. No one is excluded. Not Gentile, not Jew, not Ketchikan people, not Southern California people. Not any people. Nobody is excluded. Everyone is seeking something, and everyone has the ability to find God. And this is super important. Um, so uh, religious tradition in that day, Jewish tradition, said, listen, there are ceremonial laws, and if you are not able to abide by them and you are not Jewish, then you are unclean and God doesn't like you, and you can't be near God's people, and you can't come in God's temple, and you can't, you can't be part of God's family because you're unclean and you're dirty and we don't like you and we're not going to hang out with you because if we hang out with you, we become dirty and unclean and we like being with God. Therefore, stay away from us was the attitude towards Gentiles. Anybody who wasn't Jewish, that was the attitude. But people who were not Jewish were seeking. And God said, listen, these ceremonial laws that you've held to for a very long time, I'm about to undo them. What God has made unclean do not call common. God says, listen, I'm giving you permission, Peter, to from here on forward ignore ceremonial laws. They no longer count. 
Eat a pig, have some bacon. Great, okay? Talk, you right? Yeah. Talk to a Gentile. It's great. You're not going to be defiled, right? Go hang out with the lepers. Not going to be unclean on you, okay? You are going to be able to hang out with anybody, lead anyone to faith in Christ, and give glory to God in all places with all peoples. This is a good thing. No one is excluded from the kingdom of God. And it continues to tell us that God works this out in a great way because there are disconnected people that do not yet know God, and they're seeking. And there are people who know God who are connected with him, right? Like Peter, who is praying. And if no one is excluded, then how does this work? How do disconnected people and connected people get put together? Well, God does this thing where he connects people, right? Okay. So, in uh, 28 through 33, it says this. He said to them, you yourselves know that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate, this is Peter speaking, or to visit one of any other nation. But God has shown me that I can't call any person common or unclean. And so I went, when I was sent for, I came without objection. And so I ask you why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, this is the awkward part. Four days ago, about this hour, I was in my house and I was praying and a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered. So therefore send him to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you and you've been kind enough to come. So tell me why we're here. I love that. Why are we here? God connects believer and unbeliever. God connects the people who are listening for his voice for opportunities with people who are seeking and not knowing what they're seeking. Cornelius had no idea what was about to happen. He simply knew that an angel said, bring the dude to your house and he's going to tell you something. So why are you here, Cornelius says. And Peter said, well, I guess I will tell you what I know. And what I know is, up to this point, everyone has treated you like you're dirty and you're filthy and you don't belong. But the reality is that's not true. God loves you and he wants you to have a place in his kingdom. And here's how you can do that. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again on the third day. And if you believe that, then you have the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. And you can be called brother and sister and it will be wonderful. And we will be family. And they said, we like that. We will believe this day. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were believed and were baptized and they became part of the church of Jesus. God saves people. This is the important part. This is the part that as Christians we need to wrestle with. We don't save people. Right? We don't do that. Um, we, we preach the gospel. Right? We tell people that God loves them. But results are not up to us. Results are God's work in that person's life. We believe that God works in people's lives. But they must respond to that work. And they must choose to believe. And Cornelius and his family made a choice to believe that day. And the Holy Spirit filled them. Okay? So all people are seeking. Um, and no one is excluded. And God connects believer and unbeliever. And then God does a work in people's hearts. This is pretty significant. Now, I just want to massage one point briefly. All people are seeking. And no one is excluded. Um, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about um, people that I know that are disconnected from Jesus, but they're searching in various ways, you know? And, and so you kind of see little glimpses uh, of uh, maybe they like that Bible verse I put up on Facebook, or, you know, 
Um, maybe they show up one time to church and then they don't again because they get freaked out. Or maybe they ask you a question, right? Um, or maybe they aren't offended when you say, hey, can I pray with you? And they're like, okay, but they're like really like <laughs> stiff when you like, because they don't know how to do this. Um, and, uh, and so we've got all these people in our lives that don't know Christ. Um, and sometimes I think Christians get into this mindset of, it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like there are some people, and if we're really honest, sometimes we, we've prayed for people for years and years and years, and we want to hope that they will come to Christ, but we wonder, are they going to? Um, and the beauty of the gospel is when it says, what God has made clean, do not call common. God really convicted me here because I don't want to say that I've given up hope on people, but sometimes I, I'm really transparent here as a pastor, but sometimes you start to wonder, like I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and it, it feels like, is this ever going to happen? And you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. So I'm not alone here. Um, but when I read this verse that says, what God has made clean, do not call common. I think, man, have I started thinking of these people as common and unable? Have I started thinking of people as, you know, not able to, to connect with God? Um, have I started thinking of people as so distant that God can't intercede in their life? Um, and maybe I have in some ways. Maybe I have limited what I think God can do. And God sent an angel to someone who didn't believe in him. <laughs> To say, I'm going to save you and your whole household. Um, and so who am I to think that the fact that Jesus has died for everyone in the whole entire world, he has called all people to, to have faith in him, and anyone who calls upon his name will be saved, and no one is excluded by that? So who am I to look at someone in my prayer life or in my heart and judge them as common? You know? Even if they're not seeking, God can still interject. God can do amazing things. And I think we really have to wrestle in our own hearts of, A, are we being like Peter? Are we praying? Are we regularly connecting with God so that when the sheet is lowered and God says, go and do, here's the thing that I would love you to do, that we are ready and obedient to hear his voice? Um, or are we so about busy in our lives that we aren't hearing when God says, Hey, someone's going to knock on your door and you're going to go 31 miles down the road to a stranger's house and you'll find out what you're going to do when you get there. We don't want to miss those opportunities. We want to listen when God is talking to us because he has called all people to be holy. Um, and we have a role to play in that. He works through the unbeliever. He works through the believer. And then ultimately, he puts believer and unbeliever together and God does a work in the life of unbelievers and believers. What a great testimony for Peter because he went to the church afterwards in Acts 11 and he said, hey, whole bunch of Gentiles just got saved, guys. It was amazing. I, I, you should have been there. I mean, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They were speaking in tongues. It was just like the time that we experienced the Holy Spirit in our life for the first time. Man, I wish you could have been there. If we had only been able to live stream it, it would have been <laughs> phenomenal, right? And the church was like, nah, uh, dude, they're Gentiles. And so he had to convince them that these people were welcomed by God, that these people were not common, but they were clean, that they were holy before the Lord. We as Christians really have to work to realize that no one is excluded. So anyone who walks in the doors of our sanctuary is welcome, right? Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't matter where they've come from. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they're currently doing. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And everyone is seeking something, and we need to be in tune to the people that are in our lives they are seeking so that we can be available to say, hey, we love you. God loves you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said. God died on the cross for you. He wants you to be his child. Here's how you can do that. Can I pray with you? And be available for God to work in our lives in that way. Um, go ahead and close in prayer, and the team's going to come up and uh, lead us in a little more worship. So, children, this is a good time to grab your instruments. <laughs> Lord, this morning um, we had the reminder from Scripture that no one on earth is considered common to you, everyone is considered special precious so much so that you sent your son to earth to live a sinless life die a perfect death in our place so that we can live eternally forgiven i pray this morning that as we believers wrestle with that idea that we would remember two things one we were once separate from you but we have been purchased by your blood and brought into unity with Two, we know people that are separate from you. We have the ability to speak life into them. May we see people as you see people, as precious, not common. Give us words to speak when it's time. Grace and peace for experiences that we have with unbelievers. And may you do a great work in the life of people. And we pray specifically for Easter next week because... Lots of seekers will come on Easter to this church and others. We pray that their hearts would be soft for the gospel. We pray that there would be many salvations. We give you glory and honor. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've just heard a message from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. To learn more about our church or to support our ministries, you can visit ktnnaz.org.